I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tommy Tiernan podcast. And today I want to talk about wilderness. My imagination is heavily influenced by... Christian mythology. Uh, if I was born and reared in Iraq or Alice Springs or Edinburgh, maybe, <laughs> I would have a different outlook on the world. But growing up where I did, the mythological stories that I was given uh, were a lot of them were Christian I mean there was Jack and the Beanstalk and the Three Little Pigs and there's mystery in them as well and I was thinking recently about the Christian notion of wilderness and how Christ came out of the wilderness once he it was after that that he began his ministry John the Baptist lived and worked in the wilderness. Neither of them came out of a theological school. They weren't they weren't professors of divinity. They didn't belong to the church with its readings and its rituals. They almost they took the church with them into the desert, destroyed it and came back with a new church. And they would say that they they fulfilled all the promises that were made in the old church, in the Old Testament. Very taken by the story of Daniel, who, the only thing I remember about him, one of those primary school stories where he goes into the lion's den. I mean, these wild, ferocious, man-eaten, savage creatures but they, they smell something off them, you know. I think if you'd have gone into a, a cage full of chimps that they would have fucking killed them. But there was something about the lions where they smelt something. So you have this idea of uh, grace meeting the wilderness and grace coming out of the wilderness. So the grace of Daniel going into the wild animals and them, I'm not saying, now the lions didn't genuflect and say a decade of the rosary, but in the way that animals can smell something off people, they, they got a, they got a bang of God off them. Like Daniel 
brought grace into wild instinct and wild instinct acknowledged it. Christ and John the Baptist brought grace out of the wilderness. We have very few encounters with wilderness these days. It's mainly personality based. Like, you know, if um, if you're talking to a friend of yours, John, and John says, Jesus, oh, I, I, uh, I, I rode Hilda last Friday night. Oh, what was she like? She's fucking wild. Now, your imagination would immediately, mine would anyway, go to uh, you know, hot candle wax dripping on your nipples and all that type of stuff. And I wouldn't say you'd emerge from a night with Hilda without a few bite marks and a couple of scratches. And, you know, it's a sense of wildness that is a little bit dangerous, but not, not really. If, if Mary and uh, Susan were talking and Susan says, Jace, I, I, uh, I rode Jonathan last week. What was he like? He's a bit fucking wild. To me, then, that would suggest that Jonathan, maybe halfway through the ride, asked Susan, could he wear her underpants or try on some of her mascara? But that's wildness in a kind of a human context. I was in a bar one time up in Cavan and a fella asked me to buy him a drink. But the barman wouldn't let me. He's not to be served in here, the barman said. And I turned back to your man and he looked at me and in the calmest way said, I'm as wild as hatchets. Like, that's fucking savage, isn't it? Hatchet wild. Like there's no fucking civilization in hatchets. You can hear them screaming. The wonderful philosopher, poet, farmer, storyteller, Kerryman, John Moriarty, wrote a poem when he was in his 20s that finished with the line, I have long ago opened my mind to God's horses. And you get some sense in that image of divine wildness, divine horse-sized instinct galloping between the walls of your skull. Our encounters with the wild now are, they're thrilling, but they're, And we are surrounded by a type of wildness, like mice are wild, crows are wild, but they live in and around civilization and the domestic scene. Years ago, maybe 15, 20, 30 years ago, do you remember the thrill you used to get when you saw a fox? Now, of course, foxes, um, (laughs) they, they live in housing estates in Dublin and you know always just kind of traipsing round 
But there's a thrill you get when you encounter something that is wild from a wild situation. Like, you know, if you've ever seen an eagle, it calls to something in you, doesn't it? Something inside you flutters when an eagle looks at you. And I think one of the reasons why we respond positively and thrillingly to wildness in a natural context is because it's part of us. You know, a a lion is roaring for you. It's not again you. Like, it's not something that's in opposition to you. Something in you flourishes at great cost, perhaps, sometimes to your domestic situation and your civilised personality. But something... If we can acknowledge our wildness, acknowledge it without becoming a victim to it. And you know that great quote that nature is red in tooth and claw. So death, death is the risk you run. Not only your own death, but the damage that you might cause to other people. And not just a your own physical death, but your wildness might cause the death of relationship. There's a price to be paid for everything. And the price to be paid for civilization is that some manners have to be, have to be put on your instincts. You know, this the savage has to go to mass. And I think what I'm talking about is fluency with instinct. That I sometimes look at the cat, you know, and um, he doesn't read the Bible or doesn't have an awareness of his own sinful nature and he just kind of um, he does whatever you know if it's bringing in a a half dead mouse or a, a decapitated robin that's what he does you know the dogs are a little bit different you know the dogs do have a sense of obedience um and I think about that with myself as well, that fluency with instinct and learning to live with desires and notions and energies within yourself without causing havoc to your surroundings because you have to live in harmony with other people but I don't think the fluency comes through repression I, I 
I don't think that trying to banish all thoughts and you know that that doesn't work but there's something about almost living them internally not as a kind of a to be always fantasizing about x y and z dangerous fantasies you know fantasies that that are are selfish and destructive so it's not about always daydreaming about oh I wish I could or I wish I could but it's almost like you acknowledge the instinct and then it, it relaxes do that great thing from the Bible I think it says somewhere and the lion shall lie down with the lamb and according to Woody Allen <laughs> he says here with the, yes but the lamb won't get much sleep but it's that idea that once something is acknowledged that it's so it it's allowed be without being allowed take control isn't there some great quote of Nietzsche or something I have discovered for myself that the old animal mind every instinct that ever was dinosaur mind leopard mind hatchet mind all still exist within me now that's not the way that he said it but it was something along the lines of that that instead of looking out in the world he turned his eyes back into himself and he discovered that every instinct that any creature ever had since the beginning of the beautiful world still exists in him. So from an evolutionary point of view that we carry all previous evolutions with us in the human brain, in the cerebral cortex there the it's another Moriarty notion that the human brain and the human central nervous system consists of layers and layers and layers and layers of evolution and he would also suggest that the Christ Consciousness is the final step in evolution. So rather than Christianity being opposed to evolution, that evolution finds its final fulfillment, the, the, the place where evolution is ultimately going is to that enlightened Christ-like in terms of the Christian story consciousness but that everything that ever was every tiger every lizard every killer chicken every pterodactyl every snail every serpent every whale every butterfly 
every insect, every dog, every dodo, that these consciousnessnessness are all that that's what makes us extraordinary as beings. That's what makes us respond. Something in us gets awoken, livened up at a lion's roar. So how are you supposed to cope with all these different energies inside you? Some people need solitude, you know? Some people need to fuck off into a a cliff. Some people avoid other people. Some people get medicated. Some people wear a tourniquet. Some people meditate for 14 hours a day. Some people do adrenaline sports. Some people drink. Do you know that awful quote? Um, Most men lead lives of quiet desperation. You know, that you're kind of killing... That survival is about muting any energy. Not about allowing it to express itself internally without a flicker of movement in your body. But repressing it. And Some people live lives of complete and utter distraction. Hopping from one buzz to the next. And people who look inwards and try to see themselves as they are will tell you that there isn't a crime committed that they are not capable of. That's a frightening thing because it's very enjoyable for us to castigate criminals as the other. You know, they're not really human. So I've always had a... um, a problem with with the phrase crimes against humanity you know it just means that a human can't commit a crime against humanity if you if you have a na- narrow view of what humanity is capable of and every act outside of that then you can say oh that's in but inhuman but We're all capable of all crimes. That doesn't mean that we're likely to do it. It might be impossible for us, thank God, to cross certain lines. But I think we have to admit that it is part of a shared humanity. And that's fucking... 
dangerous ground, you know. And it's not an argument against justice or response or righteousness. It's just a kind of refusal to see any other human being as a stranger to our species. There is a righteousness to the law and there is a moral standard. But in the same way that dogs can't <laughs> commit crimes against dogness, humans can't commit crimes against humanity. Maybe there's something about letting your wildness flow without being carried away by it. The Karab River in Galway, uh, as it enters the sea, is the most fantastic torrent of turbulence. And sitting by it, and just the unpredictable, uncontrollable, energised, defiant, natural tumbling of it, Being beside that is a way of acknowledging the same energy inside in yourself. It's like the river is your brother. The river is you. Everything is an expression of the same being which is why we respond to it there is nothing alien in the world either internally or externally all there is is wonder and on some sort of a pre-verbal level recognition there are no strangers here thank you very much for listening see you next time This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.